What's going on, everybody? This is James Grandmaster Facts Boyce, and welcome to another episode of the Facts Project. Happy 2023, everybody. Today, a very special guest, veteran in the game, Chuck Satterley, who is definitely bringing a lot of veteran knowledge to us here today on the Facts Project. Not only is he has he is he bringing us our monsters and midway story that he's going to talk with us today, but no other guys, Heretic and the the greatest of of all types of indie novels of it, itself and the omnibus is available in bitter souls thank you for being here sir james thank you for having me man i appreciate it absolutely uh so not uh, not many times do i get a chance to talk to people who have been doing this for a very long time for the most part i get to speak to people who are pretty new to this and uh they might have a couple titles under their belt they haven't had the time the time and the just the uh, the wealth of knowledge to basically like put their best foot forward and put a whole volume together or maybe even just a couple of issues. Now, you doing it so long. What would you say <laughs> is the what would you say is the I guess the 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 ever running tale or theme that pushes you to make, continue to make stories? Well, um, I, OK, that's a good question. Uh, so, James, I, I first of all, let me just say um I am uh, ridiculously grateful uh, that you even took the time to to um, send me a, uh, a, a, to reply to my message and to to invite me. So uh, I just want to say thank you. Um, Absolutely. So, uh, past that, the, to answer your question, um, I think creative people uh, have no choice. Um, I, I, I don't think creative people have any choice because uh, our brains work differently um you know uh i think when when some people will sit down i i I don't know uh but i think when some people sit down to watch a television show or a movie or whatever just go to sleep they can do that Mm -hmm. um people like me and my ilk um that doesn't happen that the the brain doesn't turn off and and so we we start watching a show and we start thinking you know what you know or we start Mm -hmm. watching a movie and we think you know what or we just try to go to sleep and a long time ago i stopped trying to go to sleep without a tv on um i I, 20 years ago i stopped because if there's nothing on then all that's on is my head and it just starts churning ideas and churning ideas you know um did that uh homeless person that i saw on the bus as I drove by, is there a story there? Is uh, you know every single place in our in, in in our day, creative people, writers, storytellers, whatever, they get inspiration. Um, they say write what uh, write what you know, and that's what most writers do. So uh, I, I just don't think there's a choice. I was thankfully um, lucky enough to be able to squash that for about a decade, I, I, I stepped away from comics and I got into the really exciting world of, wait for it, um, life insurance. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, but um, that didn't, I mean, I'm, I'm still in life insurance, but COVID hit and then my brain sh- uh, turned on again because I didn't have anything to do, you know, because uh, what I did was dependent upon seeing people in person. I couldn't do that during COVID. And so I just went back to um, making up stories and I thought up a bunch of them. And now 
I am uh, against my better judgment back in comics. <laughs> mm. well, well, I got to say, it's excellent to have you back, sir. And, and might I add that even though you may have jumped into the world of life insurance, it was pretty much a great segue because you actually made a storyline called The Claims Adjuster. Yes. Yes, I did. Uh, thank you. Uh, um, so I, it, it, the, the, the true credit goes to Neil Van Antwerpen, who is the artist for No Other Gods, which is coming out from Devil's Due this year. Uh, we were working. We, we've known each other for 20 years, and um, he's a South African artist, and we started working on No Other Gods, and he's like, I have this idea, and he gave me the seed, and because I'm in insurance, I was like, he, his idea essentially was kind of based in, steeped in Man of Steel, the movie with Henry Cavill, um, yes. the Zack Snyder. Uh, I don't want to trigger anybody saying Zack Snyder, but, uh, <laughs> but, but uh, you know, uh, watching Man of Steel, that battle between Zod and um, Superman, that had to be had to be billions of oh, yeah. dollars in property and casualty damages you know uh it had to be hundreds of millions of dollars in life insurance claims it had to be hundreds of millions of dollars in disability and long-term care insurance claims think about the guy who ended up in the wheelchair in batman versus superman dawn of justice right yeah the yep. guy who, who hit the bomb that that's long-term care and that's disability those are claims you know, uh, and and, um, you know, so he's like, what if there was an insurance company that specialized in superhero battle damage, you know, and uh, and I was like, wow, I'm in insurance and now I'm triggered, you know, yeah. uh, so it it so the claims adjuster drawn by amazing artist um, uh, Laura Helsby out of uh, uh, Manchester, England, uh, that book. Uh, was born and um, the claims adjuster which is again from devil's due coming out um, i think it's being solicited in march so mm -hmm. march, so out in may uh number one uh it's uh it's a book about a uh a claims adjuster at a company that specializes in superhero battle damage uh property casualty life and disability claims and uh this guy's seen enough damage seen enough collateral damage over 16 years he's decided they all need to go the heroes and the villains alike. And he's set up for, he's meticulous and he's a, he's a superhero, supervillain, serial killer. And uh, he, every issue goes out and takes out a hero and, and their arch enemy. And uh, it, it's, it's um, essentially seven meets falling down meets marbles. Wow. Now, now when you talk about dark, uh, dark AF, man, it's yeah. dark. Well, that, well, that's the thing. Like, it, it it would take for like a situation like that, and I'm I'm sure people have thought of the the existential threat of basically the point of view of the humans that are on the ground rather than the superheroes that are up in the sky. Right. And to actually pinpoint it to the point where you're talking about the world of insurance throughout superhero claims just broadens the horizon because people have talked about just. There was that. Uh, there was a. There was a. Uh, an NBC show called Super, which talked about the uh, humans living in a superhero world, where basically their windows were being blown out. Uh, sometimes they go out to their car, and their car was completely wrecked, and they'd be like, "Good God, not again!" You know. Yeah. Yeah. Those, those yeah. type of deals. Yeah. So I, I love that point of view and how that's basically put across. 
Now, when we're talking about your other titles, when we're talking about Bitter Souls, Heretic, you know, no, no other gods, there's an overlying theme that you have a you have a, a sort of love for fantasy. Oh, well, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, that's a, that that I mean, I guess that's pretty apparent. Uh, um, so I am a child of the 70s and 80s. I was a little boy in the 70s and I was a kid in the 80s, a teenager. Um, and when I was a little boy, my mother was a single mother mm-hmm. in Chicago in the 70s. And uh, that made for tough times. Uh, my mother did two, three jobs at a time. Uh, you know, my father was nowhere to be found. And uh, so uh, I lived in Chicago at an intersection called Western and Wilson. And across the street from me was a comic book store called Variety Comics. And I could see the store from my bedroom window. And I was alone a lot. My mother would arm me with money because I would go to the store and that owner was a curmudgeon. Uh, There is a reason why comic book guy in the Simpsons was created. Uh, And that's because there are a lot of guys that are like that, uh, that run comic book stores. Thankfully not my LCS in Chicago, dark tower, but, um, but uh, nonetheless, there's a lot of curmudgeons out there. So my mother would arm me with money and, uh, and I would go down and I would buy those comics and I would have a dollar or $2 so I could buy, four, six, seven comics back then, you know, yeah. and, uh, and I'd read them and just get lost in those stories and um, start thinking up ideas and stories and everything else. And so that is how I became um, in love with uh, superheroes, fantasy, sci-fi, all of it, uh, action adventure, um, because it was, it was my babysitter, you yeah. know, uh, and um, and so I would uh, and so yeah uh, I think that probably shows in 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 what I do now. Now, as far as your newest title in Monsters of the Midway, what you tend to have a, a sort of homage to the city of Chicago. Uh, you you have a, in the in the beginning you refer to it as but um a, a section of Chicago known as Bucktown. Now I, I ask you is uh Liars Club post one forty seven is that an actual place? Oh, it is. It is a bar, and um, it is where we're having the Monsters and Midways release party on Friday night of C two E two. If you can get to C2E2, you are invited, James. Uh, uh, Thank you. We're going to have a number of metal bands, um, and um, the Ben Temple Smith cover will be available. In uh, Speaking of homage, uh, the Ben Temple Smith cover for uh, Monsters and Midways number one is an homage to uh, Heavy Metal Magazine number one. I was going to ask you that. I was going to say, I was like, how many subscriptions to Heavy Metal Magazine have you watched? Uh, have you read? Oh, Uh I could literally reach over and grab you a pile of heavy metal. Uh, um, man. But uh, um, yeah, uh, one of my favorite stories of the past years was uh, past year was written by Ron Mars. Uh, but uh, heavy metal is, a, is, is awesome. And then my writing partner, Nick Goodwin um, is my age and, and uh, the artist on monsters and midways, an insane artist named Jeremy Meggert. Wow. Uh, he is a music savant. He understands guitars. He worked at a guitar center for a lot of years as a sales manager. And so 
Um, heavy, uh, Monsters and Midways is steeped, yes, in Chicago, but also steeped in 70s metal. It's steeped in um, barbaric. It's steeped in fantasy and uh, sword and sorcery. Uh, and, and it's set in 1970s Chicago. So what more could you ask for? You know, um, it's a it's it's a blast. Um, it spans all space and time, but it's set in the 70s in Chicago. Nice. Now, as far as uh, the storyline itself, I mean, we're looking at um, a gentleman by the name of Dave who has his own heavy metal band. And then inexplicably, was that the band is called Gut Bucket, Gut Bucket. So yeah. so he has his own band Gut Bucket and inexplicably, it, inexplicably a monster arrives at the concert to where out of nowhere, a wizard shows up with a very yeah. magical axe and then boom, yeah it, uh, it we'll it, find it, out later it that it's from there <laughs> yes it does uh we'll we'll find out later that um the wizard has been kind of following dave uh for a while because he had a he had a belief that he was a latent barbarian um in our world monsters and midways uh we have a few different types of magical creatures um one is a wizard wizards are mortal unless they're killed by another wizard kind of um kind of uh from the highlander ilk if you will okay you know? okay yes yeah yeah uh and then um there are barbarians who have a long lifespan but are not immortal uh they just age very slowly barbarians can wield and and hold magic weapons uh and then there are makers uh, makers are um mortal people with normal lifespans who have the ability to um uh craft magic weapons mm. and then and then there are elves and um the elves and monsters and midways are uh people of color uh all there is no elf that is white and um elves uh in in our book elves are especially uh um uh, uh, skilled at crafting uh, seals, golden seals that will stop dark magic from seeping from the earth. Mm. Uh, dark magic is responsible for every monster we have on record. Uh, uh, the Loch Ness, uh, uh, the Yeti, um, Bigfoot, all of them. Uh, all those monsters are, are mutated animals that are uh, mutated by dark magic seeping from the ground. Also, it's responsible for most of our natural disasters from uh, Pompeii to Mount St. Helens uh, mm. to, to earthquakes, uh, dark magic causes all of it. The, the elves, they, um, they craft, they work in conjunction with the wizards and they craft these magic seals to kind of put a, a tamper down on that dark magic. Now, fast forward to 1976 Chicago and uh, our elves are, um, can I curse on sure. your podcast? Absolutely. Uh, they're fucking pissed. Uh, they, they've, they, it's been a few hundred years and they've been in America and they've been treated like fucking shit. And, uh, mm. you know, there's this little thing called slavery and, uh, um, and, and, and so they're, they're pissed and they're done. They're just, they're done. Um, mm. they're, they don't see a reason why they should be helping fucking anybody, you know? Right. And, uh, and, um, so, now we're in uh we're in we're in this situation where there's one good wizard left there's one bad wizard left 
And uh, the bad wizard has this idea that he wants to mix uh, dark magic seeping from Chicago, quite frankly, from under uh, Soldier Field where the Bears play. Uh, mm. Okay. Uh, they they want to. He wants to mix dark magic with nuclear energy, and he and he wants to because. Um, well, I guess I'll I'll refer to you to to the Dark Knight uh, when when Alfred Michael Caine says some people want to see the world burn. Right. That's this wizard. He just he wants to see what will happen, and uh, he just doesn't give a shit. And um, <laughs> our our wizard Kessler, who by the way is based looks wise on the bartender from Liars Club. <laughs> oh yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Kessler, the wizard, um, he finds Dave. He, he gets together with Cat the Maker, and, and their job is to go to the elves uh, and, and try to talk them into helping, you know. Um, and, right. and, and, and at, at first, the elves are just, they're not having it. They're just like, you know, they're just like, yeah, you know, uh, help, help, help yourself. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, come to us. Okay, yeah, all right, you know. Um, so we we try to throw in a little social commentary um but uh it's a fun story um and uh there's a, there's enormous axes big monsters uh lots of chicago but it's you know we also include vietnam uh yeah. we, we include pompeii we include in issue 2 we open at the salem witch trials so mm -hmm. uh we 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 cover all of it and, but, um, but there's a overlying, uh, I guess there's an overlying theme that throughout even these historical time frames, there's monsters throughout the entire the entire oh, yeah. story. So even yeah. when you're back in Absolutely. Vietnam, they get attacked by monsters. You're thinking that the Viet Cong are coming, and no, <laughs> no, that it's it's mutated um, tigers uh, and and, yeah. and 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 such. And and I thought of the tigers because of. Um, uh, I, I I love I love watching movies. Um, do you remember? Are, have you ever seen Apocalypse Now, James? Yes. Okay, uh, that scene where um, that that um, that Creole cook is in the jungle and he's looking for some mangoes, and uh, all of a sudden it's a fucking tiger. Yeah, you know? a gigantic like Bengal tiger just like jumps out of nowhere. <laughs> right, and uh, that's where I got the idea for the tigers. But uh, these are mutated tigers because our evil wizard is on a quest to kind of find this. Um, he's, he's not an, he's not an evil wizard yet. He's looking, he's part of a family that's been searching for this entity. Okay. So I, was he gonna, can, I was literally going to ask you that. Yeah. yeah I was, Cause he I wants saw to be him. By it. I saw him. Uh, what was it in his, uh, of course he's a soldier in Vietnam, but I was wondering if he was already a wizard and was pretty much like, hiding in plain sight almost per se yeah no he he's a regular human being and we learn in issue two um when we open to the salem witch trials that his family witnessed um this dark uh wizard uh during the salem witch trials and since then his family the corwin family has been searching uh for this uh for this wizard with the sole intent of acting as a vessel uh, for the wizard to take form again to to do what he needs to do um, <laughs> he gets a letter from his mother uh and it's a you know it's a it's an odd letter he reads it on an aircraft carrier uh and and the letter is just like you know good luck in your task 
you know, his own mother is like, go get possessed by this evil wizard, you know, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, hey, with all due respect, and I'm not trying to get political, but uh, there's some fucked up families now that are just like, you know, um, go get possessed by this guy who was the president, you know, right. uh, you know, yep. so it's not that much different. Uh, it's just yeah. ours is a comic book and magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, uh, there are some fucked up families out there. Yeah, because you're looking at somebody who probably is looking at a who probably saw one singular incident to where they can achieve ultimate power. And then it was like, as fucked up as that may be. Maybe I should go look for that power as well. Right. Yeah. You know, it may not be the best interest in mind for anybody or better yet, a whole bloodline. But yet that's the story that we're doing. <laughs> exactly. But think about it. Uh, it, it Again, not trying to get political, but is it in the best interest of the people who of of is it in the best interest of like a poor white family to vote Republican? It is not. You know, uh, and so what so what the Corwin family is, is kind of a kind of a metaphor for all the people who are voting against their own best interest uh, to um, in 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 servant in servitude of hate. Mm. And, and the thing is, uh, of course, with this now, now him being this vessel and, and wanting to watch the world burn is his is his objective more so to just achieve the highest source of power or is it more so just to destroy the world? It, well, uh, the wizard has no idea what's going to happen um if the world's destroyed so be it he's lived that long if if but he wouldn't mind being in control mm-hmm. for corwin the, the 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 family member his human instinct is i'm going to rule everything mm, okay you know and so you know uh he has the uh this dream if you will that he's going to be the ruler of the world uh and um and and the the wizard uh kessler uh or excuse me uh the wizard he just he wants to he wants to unleash it and he you know for <laughs> excuse me for years and years he was a good wizard all the wizards were good in the very beginning and uh they protected the unknowing uh populace from dark magic and at some point some of the wizards were like, why, why are we doing this? You know? Um, And, uh, and um, so that created a rift and that, that kind of brought in the Highlander idea, you know, where over the years we got down to just two wizards. um, And uh, now we're at the, the, the apex of a multi-century battle between these two guys. And, um, and it ends in Chicago on the Midway uh, in Soldier Field. So my, my guess is that Kessler has engaged with the uh, Corwin family in the past. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Corwin family and also the wizard. Um, right. Uh, in issue two, they have this uh, Kessler and, and Corwin, um, at, at, you know, possessed by the wizard, uh, have a um, kind of a meeting of the minds in public. Mm-hmm. You know how? Um, you know how in Heat, uh, Al Pacino and Robert De Niro meet in a diner. I remember that. Yes. Okay. 
it's a good you know it's a good place to meet in public when you're yeah. opposing factions. Uh, so uh, Kessler and Corwin meet at um, so or at uh, Wrigley Field in issue two, and mm-hmm. um, and they're watching a game. Um, mind you, Jeremy Meggert, the artist, was is so down with detail that he looked up the date who the Cubs played that day and who was pitching and he drew it um you know uh so he so this so this book is not only drawn by a fantastic artist it's it's drawn by Jeremy Meggert who is is not only fantastic but pays attention to every tiny detail you know uh uh but Corwin and Kessler sit down have a hot dog watch the Cubs and basically discuss their upcoming battle and their history um they uh, uh, Corwin, the the evil wizard, he talks about how it's um, liberating to possess bodies because uh, Kessler hasn't done that. He won't do that. Yeah. Um, uh, but but Corwin was like, you know, uh, he uh, Kessler was actually Merlin uh, in the time of Arthur. Uh, really? Corwin was Morgana, uh, so they fought in the time of Arthur. They fought at the Salem Witch Trials. They they have been butting heads for centuries, and um, this is the this is the apex fight. This is it, um, you know. And uh, um, you know, uh, whereas Kessler has Dave the Barbarian, mm-hmm. Corwin ends up with his own Barbarian. Dave is heavy metal, and I didn't think of this at all. It was just drawn by Jeremy Meggert. Um, uh, Jer- um, Corwin's barbarian is disco, so it's going to be metal versus disco. Oh my god! So one of one of the things, and it was weird how this just like popped up in my head was the day the disco died in Chicago. Steve Dahl, man, uh, the 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 disc jockey, uh, Comiskey Park. I forget what Comiskey, what year, yeah. but Southside Chicago. Yeah, Comiskey Park White Sox game. Um, Steve Dahl came in, and uh, uh, it was called Disco Demolition. Um, yep. Yeah. Ran away, well, destroyed, burned. Uh, basically, just, just fucked up disco records left and right. Which, so by I, the way, as an old guy now, maybe a mistake because there's some good disco out there. There's some real good disco out there. Some yeah, good maybe disco a mistake. Maybe, maybe, maybe a, maybe a, maybe a. Uh, uh, an unthought about move, uh, you know, right. um, but Steve Dahl, the, uh, he was a, a famous Chicago uh, disc jockey and, and talk show host. Uh, he was the guy who ran disc, uh, Disco Demolition at Comiskey Park. Right. So, by the, the way, will always be Comiskey Park to me. Right now it's called um, Guaranteed Rate Field. That's what it's called? Oh, yeah. I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah. Sears Tower is Willis Tower. John Hancock oh. is 800 North Michigan. Uh, Comiskey Park is uh, guaranteed rate field. But I'm a, um, I am now the curmudgeon. And so I will not change. Um, it's, it's Sears Tower, John Hancock, Comiskey Park. It, it, it's weird with the branding nowadays. Like I'm, I'm looking at the NBA and they have brands on their, on their jerseys now. So that's almost like the the Miami Heat establishing the FTX in their uh, in their arena, oh, and then FTX going under. That recently. did not age well. Yeah, that, that was what a year. It wasn't even a year. <laughs> so be careful who you partner yourself with. You know. Yes. Yes. Might, might end up incredibly ridiculous in your favor. So 
Well, well uh, to, 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 to that point, James, um, Comiskey Park was um, uh, U.S. cellular field for a number of years before it was guaranteed rate. Mm-hmm. Um, U.S. cellular was a, a cell phone company um, that is no longer around. Yeah. Uh, and, and for like five years, while it was no longer in Chicago, it was still U.S. cellular field. Oh my God! See, that's just that's just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just stupid, you know. So I mean, I get I get revenue and everything, but still, exactly. There, there's a lot of things that people call home. You wouldn't call Ebbets Field when it was still around anything other than an Ebbets Thank Field, you. or Thank you know, you. yeah, exactly. Shea Stadium. It's not even Shea Stadium anymore. Shea Stadium is needs to be Shea Stadium. Thank God, Wrigley Field is still Wrigley. It's still Wrigley Field. You know, it's it's still what Which, it, by the it, way it was a, named after a chewing gum company uh, back in the day, but you know we don't we don't really think about that. No. But uh, but it's it's Wrigley Field. It'll stay Wrigley Field. I hope to God. Um, and and, uh, and let's just uh, you know let's keep uh, um, what what is uh, New York's uh, football field where the Giants and the Jets oh, play? Oh, the Me- Meadowlands. The Meadowlands. It needs yeah. to stay the Meadowlands. It needs to stay the Meadowlands. I'm I'm from Jersey, so that. Okay. Yeah. State of I lived a long time uh, in Bethlehem, PA, which is not far from Jersey at all, and mm-hmm. um, about nine miles away, and uh, um, that that created uh, a, a, an enormous Eagles fan in my son because he was little, mm-hmm. and he's he's a typical Eagles fan, uh, so he's a prick. Um, <laughs> that, that's a typical Eagles fan. I'm from South Jersey, exactly so. right. We have a lot of Eagles fans out here, so I can totally understand. Are you Giants, Jets, or Eagles? I'm a Giants fan. Giants. <laughs> I'm a Giants okay. fan. We're going to the playoffs, hey, too. <laughs> uh, three teams from the NFC East made the playoffs. Uh, one of them I would rather not because I think as, a, as an Eagles-Bears family, you as a Giants family, I think what we can agree on, uh, fuck the Cowboys. Exactly. Uh, definitely. <laughs> So, <laughs> so to get, to get back into it, for for somebody who is yeah, my bad, I'm sorry. No, 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 not not at all. Shoot, I, I love talking about that too. But for somebody who has written uh, numerous indie titles, but yet you've also have had a opportunity to write a major IP. You wrote uh, Kong, uh, your your King Kong titles. Now, what would yeah. you, would you say that that was like a dream come true? Uh, Re, uh, writing for a major IP, or would you say that that was sure. like that, that was just something that you wanted to try your hand at, but yet indie is my thing? No, um, so all indie creators, not all, but a lot of indie creators, including me, will spout off that oh, we we do we only want to do our comics, we we only want to do indie comics, and and it's about the art. Um, it's not. Uh, it, it is for some people, but for me, um, man, I, I I had a blast writing Kong. I'm one of like less than forty writers on Earth in history who have been able to write King Kong. You know, mm. I adapted Joe DeVito's Kong, King of Skull Island for comics. It's about to be a. Uh, I think next year it's going to be a Disney Plus television show. The same book. Um, I don't get anything because it was work for hire, but it's nonetheless it looks good on a resume. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, it was um, it was a blast, and I would like to do more um, uh, legendary IPs. I would love to work at DC. I would love to work at Marvel. Uh, that's the plan this time around. Um, you know, uh, so working on Kong was yes, a dream come true, and uh, 
um, it, it, you know, like I said, I'm in a small fraternity. I got to do, I got to do a signing while Kong was out way back um, at Jim Hanley's universe, which was a store that was literally across the street at the time from the empire state building. Ah, okay. And so my family and I, we went to the empire state building, went up to the observation deck the, uh, the day of the signing. And there was a, um, there was a big gigantic, what I thought was a Kong stuffed toy, mm -hmm. like life size. It was in this chair. And, um, my wife, uh, said, Hey, go, you know, you, you're riding King Kong. So go over and take a picture with Luke. And my son and I, when he was little and we went over and, to take a picture with this stuffed giant stuff thing. And it, it was a guy in a costume and oh, he stood up fucking freaked me out. I fell over backwards, uh, you know, um, but um, uh, but yeah, I got to I got to sign King Kong comics across the street that I wrote across the street from the Empire State Building. So it was a dream come true. You know, I always wondered because like I, I think I, I might have went to Empire State Building as a kid. I was always wondered if there's anything as like uh, a memorial or, or like a, a King Kong homage inside of uh, the Empire there is. State Building. So. Yeah, there's a there's a section. I, I I can't remember what floor it's on, but it's on one of the. Uh, um, I think it, it actually might be right by where the elevators go up. Uh, mm -hmm. But there's a whole Kong section, you know, and um, so it was cool because all these tourists were there, uh, and I was a tourist too. But all these tourists were there, and they're like talking about King Kong, and I'm like, I wrote I wrote I wrote some Kong comics, you know. Right. Uh, so it was a it was a neat day. Um, it was pretty cool. So absolutely fabulous. Now, uh, can, can you talk about uh, your work with Devil's Due Comics and how that came about? Devil's Due. OK, um, Devil's Due. We have two books coming out from uh, from Devil's Due. Uh, no Other Gods and the Claims of Gesture in 2023. Mm -hmm. um, and that came about because um we all have uh, do you have a bucket list james i i would say that i have certain things on my bucket list and i'm looking to add daily <laughs> okay well and you're younger than me my mm -hmm. bucket list is kind of set and one of the bucket list items with no 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 lie no no i'm not i'm not i'm not i'm not uh embellishing anything one of those bucket list items was to work with um devils do comics because uh, a lot of people don't understand um, Devil's Do at this point now in 2022 is one of the oldest um, uh, small press publishers in the comic book industry. They started in 2000. Wow. They've been around 22 years. They brought G.I. Joe comics. They, they, they did. They, they introduced Tim Seeley to the world. Um, <laughs> you know, Tim Seeley is one of my favorite comic book creators uh, one of uh, you know he he's so prolific uh 2023 um, um west of sundown uh, uh superman oh. versus Lobo, uh all uh, uh in 2022 and 2023 the the bequest there's just so much that 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 tim seeley does but but devils do brought tim to the world he, the devils do brought a ton of people uh to the to the world um and um I feel that Josh Blaylock is a visionary uh, at Devil's Due and uh, the publisher. Uh, and um, so what, how this came about, these two books, um, it, it's, it's a simple story. Uh, it's three words. I begged Josh. 
and and he finally relented and he let me uh and he let me have two books with the devil's do uh logo on it uh but josh is a uh, josh is amazing um devil's do is amazing and um you know they've gone through troubles they've gone through ups and downs like everybody but they've survived and they yeah. thrived and they are uh i'm 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 honored uh to be uh, a creator uh at devil's do this year mm, that's excellent that's excellent and and even in the same breath you're releasing monsters of midways with a band of bards yes uh so that's a different like there's two ends of the spectrum yeah. here. i have two publishers right now uh, there'll be more, uh, but Devil's Due is the old, um, uh, uh, experienced uh, grandpa publisher, right? Mm-hmm. And then Band of Bards is the young upstart uh, yes, publisher. Sir. Around a little, little over a year, um, Tim uh, Stalinsky and, um, and and Chris uh, uh, at, Devil, at at Band of Bards, they are fantastic. They got a plan. They know what they're doing um they've they're very organized and um they're on the right side of um i guess you could say the social justice wars uh i don't want to say a name but there was a creator who ended up doing some 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 bad things and uh it didn't take uh it took adidas what two three weeks almost a month to uh drop kanye yeah um it took Band of Bards, granted, it's not the same thing. I know that. Yeah. But uh, it took Band of Bards half an hour um, to <laughs> drop a creator uh, because they they know what they they know what they know what they're about. They know what they stand for. And, um, you know, so I'm really excited. We have uh, Monsters and Midways coming out from Band of Bards. And then um, the other title is uh, Christopher Kubrick, Nebraska and Matilda Save the World from Fucking Nazis. Excellent title, by the way. I was reading it. I was like, you know what? I'm all for that. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, uh, after everything's all said and done, after the trade paperback is done, we're doing a collected edition hardcover. And I I, I may not be getting it right, but we wanted a super long name for the hardcover uh, collection. Right. And I, I want to say it's uh, Chris the uh, Christopher Kubrick, Nebraska Matilda, Save the World from Fucking Nazis, Super Deluxe authorized director's cut omnibus collected uh badass edition or something like that and it's 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 it, it's going to be 20 words um and and we're 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 even thinking about not even having art on the cover. I, I, I was just thinking that i was like you don't even need artwork you just write down the front <laughs> yeah um so uh I'm, I'm working on that book with um Jason Michalski and a fantastic artist named uh, Jeremiah Scheich. Okay. Who, yeah. who, by the way, both of those guys have books right now. One at Band of Bards, Hush Ronan, and one at uh, Blood Moon, um, uh, uh, Northern Blood. Mm. Now, with Bitter Souls, if I could get into that briefly. Sure. Um, you're, you've released an omnibus for Bitter Souls. Yes. yes. And for... In, for an indie creator, just the the relentlessness to actually like put forward an omnibus of your work through yeah all indie the whole time without like a, a major major distributor and anything is a tale all its own because it's it's showing basically your persistence at your craft. 
And that's got to be an achievement on its own. Well, thank you. Um, so A Bitter Soul started uh, at um, Speakeasy Comics, ended at Marcosia, but all the entire time it had mostly the same creative team. It was me and then this artist. Um unknown guy uh not very people very many people knew him uh um he you know he worked on a unknown character i it was from a small publisher what uh gosh uh dc i think that it, the public i it, believe it's hard so. for me to remember the name of the publisher and the character was like a a guy who like lost his parents or something and um and and he and he was and he was angry about it and 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 um i think it's like ratman or batman or something Right. And, yeah. Um, yeah. 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 And and the artist's name was Norm Brayfogle. And uh right. and, and Norm Norm worked on me, uh worked on A Bitter Souls for nine issues uh with me. Um Norm became my good friend and he died in 2018. And um the omnibus was it was the idea for the omnibus was to honor him. Um not many people know this, but A Bitter Souls is the largest body of work by Norm Brayfogle outside of batman or prime that's excellent no he he did no more he did he did no larger body of work uh on any other character um than he did on on the omnibus uh i did a kickstarter we raised enough money to make it it's 400 pages it's hardcover it's oversized it's got a slip case everybody who ordered it is still waiting because i'm a fucking idiot and um I uh, we we have tons of Ooh. copies of it, uh, and it's done. Um, but I ordered nine by two by twelve boxes. Yeah, and this book is nine by um, nine by eleven. Uh, but uh, I needed nine by three boxes because I did not take into account because I'm a shipping rookie. I've never done this, you know. Right, right, right. Um, right. I didn't take into account. I I need to wrap this with bubble wrap. Yeah, man. It's gonna, or else it's gonna arrive, and and my backers are gonna be fucking pissed that it's all dented up and everything. So I had to negotiate a um a return with um Uline, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I, I I reordered a uh, hundred and fifty um nine by three by twelve boxes. That's how weird Kickstarters can be because you're your own marketing guy your own yeah. your own writer your own shipping department your own ordering you know and uh i did not know what i was doing um i admit it uh, i this is my first time out i listened to a lot of smart people jimmy palmiotti greg pack uh carmela camara all these people telling me the things and i listened to them for the most part but i didn't take into account bubble wrap so <laughs> i'm about a so we so so we, we were a couple months behind uh, because of a proof that came and it was in shitty condition, I ordered a second proof from China, and now we're, I'm about a month behind on where I hoped I would be because of that. Uh, all because I'm an inexperienced idiot. Mm. I wouldn't say you're an idiot, sir. <laughs> Not at all. Not in the slightest. Well, when it comes to this stuff, I I I, I was I'm an ex inexperienced at, at the most, but this is it. Um, oh man, that's great. That's the cover by Tim Seeley, and um, it's it's pretty amazing. It's pretty it's pretty cool. I I just wanted something that Norm would be proud of, um, and um, I think he would be proud of it. Definitely, I I would think so. Good lord, that looks amazing. Now, yeah, give me your address after this, and I'll send you a copy. I absolutely will. 
Absolutely. Now, um, for for as many years as you've been writing in here, who would you say exactly were your writing inspirations or better yet your heroes in comic books? So writing inspirations, a lot of people will say Alan Moore and Frank Miller, including me, um, they were big inspirations, but I'm a big fan of the journeyman workhorses in comic books. Um, Mark Wade, uh, yeah. Brian Augusta, um, John Ostringer, uh, Mike Grell, um, Ron Mars, uh, Grunwald, uh, uh, um, all those guys, uh, those guys, they churn out books, man, you know, and, and they, they, with all the respect, I feel like Ron Mars deserves Alan Moore or John Ostrander or Brian Augusta, or especially Mark Wade deserves Alan Moore or Frank Miller status. And they never get it, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, they're, they're, they're highly regarded, but to me, those guys are the guys that are just churning out books monthly all the time. You know, these days, if Alan Moore does, does a book, it's a, it's a fucking event, right? Yeah. Um, Frank Miller and, and rightfully so I'm not, I'm not knocking Alan Moore. He's a fucking goat, but uh, Frank Miller, you know, um, has his own publishing now. Uh, Mark Wade is still doing Batman, Superman world's finest. And yeah. it's fucking awesome. Right. You know, uh, uh, so yeah, the, 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 the journeyman workhorses are my idols. Um, you know, there are writers today that I think are of that ilk. Mm. Um, Steely being one of them. Um, uh, I feel like, um, I feel like, uh, uh, Mark Russell, uh, is, yeah. is one of those guys, um, uh, there's an indie writer that I absolutely love who I'm blessed to be in the same city with Marcus Sanasso, who does by the horns. He's mm -hmm. fantastic. Uh, but yeah, um, those old journeymen, those are my, those, those are my goats. Mm, that's amazing. Now, if you could, um, with, with basically all these impending titles and all these upcoming releases that you pretty much have out 2023 seems to be shaping up for you now. You I hope so. Yeah, like as far like as far as we're looking at, what are we talk about three releases in twenty twenty three alone? Four. Um, it's uh, it's no other gods and the claims adjuster from Devil's Due. No other gods is um, uh, penciled uh, and inked in the first couple issues by Neil Van Antwerpen. Mm -hmm. um, penciled the last few issues by Neil and inked by Mark Stegbauer, um, a, a, a journeyman himself. Uh, it's um, colored by Nicholas Michael and uh, lettered by uh, the goat of letters, Tom Orzakowski, um, Guinness World, uh, Guinness Book of World Record uh, holder for the most issues consecutively of a comic spawn. Um, mm. He's lettered every comic, uh, every spawn issue ever. Um, then uh, the claims adjuster from Devil's Due, which is um, a co-story by Neil and me. Um, layouts by Neil, but penciled and inked by Laura Helsby, who is going to be bigger than anybody I work with. Um, colored by an amazing uh, colorist named Leslie Atlansky and uh, lettered by an old pro Chuck Molly, who is one of the longest uh, letterers on ElfQuest. Mm. Um, and then uh, from Band of Bards, it's um, 
Christopher Kubrick, Nebraska Matilda Save the World from Fucking Nazis, co-written by me and Jason Michalski, uh, drawn uh, pencil and ink by uh, Jeremiah Scheich, uh, colored by DC Alonzo, and uh, lettered by a fantastic letterer, um, graphic designer, who actually, same guy designed the Upbitter Souls omnibus, ah. uh, Magret out of Mexico City. Um, so that's a good team. Uh, and then there is um, uh, uh, Monsters and Midways, which is literally in previews right now uh, for the first issue. Uh, that is co-story, Nick Goodwin and myself. Nick is a really good friend of mine. Um, uh, penciled and inked by uh, the other artist that I think is going to blow up uh, soon, Jeremy Meggert. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, colored also by Nicholas Michael, uh, who's coloring No Other, no other Gods, and lettered by Tom Orzakowski. Uh, so those four books are in 2023. I may have a fifth, uh, but I don't know yet. Mm. That that that's absolutely fa- fantastic. Four issues within the entire year. Now, um, for a lot of these young fledgling writers, creators that are p- basically trying to put their best foot forward and do indie for the very first time, uh, you being uh, being someone who basically has done signings at comic cons and everything like that, when you encounter one of these uh, one of these young creators, what is the usual first question that they ask you? Writer or artist? Writer. Writer. Okay. Um, how do I break in? Uh, that that's 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 the question I've been asked a million times. And considering I have technically not really broken in yet, yeah, I guess the answer is I don't know. Um, <laughs> but uh, but truthfully, um, writing comics is uh, it's a fucking grind. Um, you can't. Um, you know, I, if I'm an artist, I can go to a con and I can do a portfolio review. I can show people. I can do this. I can do that. Nobody wants to read a script at a con, you no, know. Not at so, all. honest to God, one of the only ways you can really break in, and and I know this to be true because I kind of know people, and I'm not trying to name drop, but Jesus, I, I have friends that are. I, one of my one of my best friends in comics is currently drawing uh, one of the biggest comics DC is doing right now. Right, that doesn't really mean anything when it comes to the writers. So, what I would tell a young writer is, find an artist, team up, put a book out. This is a golden age. When I was starting out, we did not have crowdfunding. Yeah, you know, we didn't have Kickstarter. We didn't have uh, Zoop. Uh, I think it's called Zoop. Um, right. yep. We didn't have uh, the other one that, unfortunately, you have to do a background check on the creator to make sure if you, if you back it. You know, um, that, would be, that would be Indiegogo. Yes. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to trigger anybody. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I don't want ninety-seven messages in my DMs tonight about how I'm. I you know, uh, uh, or, or after this airs. Uh, but but yeah, uh, you know. Truth be told, not every Indiegogo creator is that thing I know. we will not name. Yeah. Uh, but most of the thing we will not name are Indiegogo creators. That is true. So so you have to be careful and you have to look it up and you have to do a background check. In fact, my writing, my buddy, my brother from another mother, Jason Michalski, I met him through Indiegogo. So I, I am 
you know, I'm not saying all Indiegogo is bad. I'm just simply saying that you have to be careful. Uh, But but anyway, uh, you know, so I would tell a young creator these days, find an artist with as much passion and game as you've got. Put a book out, find colorist and a letterer or, 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 or a letterer and a, and a, and a grayscale uh, colorist who will do grayscale. Uh, just, just put a book out, make sure it's quality. You know, e- even if you don't have a pro editor, ask your family and friends and, you know, ask people that are going to say no to you. Don't look for yes men. Um, find someone who's going to challenge you and say, this looks stupid. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? This looks terrible. Uh, fix it. You know, if you don't, if you can't get an editor, like right now, I had a conversation last night with Jason for an all ages book that we're doing with a uh, with an artist named Sunny D, um, called Airbnb. Um, our our editor from Band of Bards on Christopher Kubrick is Nicole D'Andrea, uh, and um, we begged her last night to be an editor on this book because we feel that an editor is important. So have a third set of eyes, a fourth set, a fifth set of eyes on your project before you go to um, press submit at Kickstarter, Zoop, or Indiegogo, um, or wherever you go. Uh, But regardless, it's a golden age right now. If you want to put a book out, you can. You can. You don't have to ask anybody. I I guess you have to ask the crowdfunding um, uh, website permission, but they pretty much will... If you if you do your homework, they'll pretty much they'll pretty much approve you. you oh know? yeah. So it's a golden age. If you want to put a book out, you can. Uh, just do just 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 put out your best work. Nobody can ever. Um, once your book's out there, man, it's out there. You know. So if your letter, you know, if you feel like you want to letter it yourself to save a few bucks, and no one can nobody can read your book that's the book that gets seen, you know, so, you, <laughs> right. you know, so make sure, make sure you're, you make the right decisions, make sure you're careful. But um, that's what I would tell a young writer. Mm. I have a funny story about young artists. If you want to hear it, I would love to. Okay. More than writers. I would say by 90% at cons artists will come, young artists will come up to a, 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 a person at a table with their portfolio in hand and they will um, ultimately be like, will you look at my portfolio? And as a writer, I have an admission. I don't know what the fuck I'm looking at. I just know if I like something, I don't know what good art is. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the intricacies of hatching and and for an inker. I I don't know that stuff. It's Mm -hmm. not, it's not my bag, baby. Um, And uh uh, so uh, I'm not going to tell you who it was, but a pretty, um, well to uh, like well-known artist told me one time, cause I was like, I don't know what to say to these guys. And he's like, just be honest. So what I do with artists who walk up to me, cause I don't know art and say, well, you look at my book. I first say, you understand, I can't help you get a job. And they say, sure. Would you look at my book? Okay. But do you understand, not only can I not help you get a job, I also don't understand what good art is. Mm-hmm. And they say, no problem. Will you look at my portfolio? And, and then you say, then yes, I will. You yeah. know, And then you look at the portfolio, not knowing what the fuck good art is. And then you say this, which was given to me as advice by this well-known artist. 
wow, it looks like you've really worked really hard on, on this. It looks like you're really putting in a lot of effort. Uh, I'd be very proud if I were you. The only thing I would do if I were you is work on your anatomy. Because what artist, whether it's Frank Miller, Neil Adams, Norm Brayfogle, or the kid at the table right. asking to look at the couldn't work on their anatomy a little bit more. So mm -hmm. it's a it's a sincere statement. So you're not lying, you yep. know. Uh, yeah. uh, so that that was taught to me. And God, you know, I apologize if you're a young artist and you're watching this and you see me at a show this coming year. Where, <laughs> And I tell you to work on your anatomy, but that's what I don't know what I'm looking at. I don't know right. what the fucking art is. Right, right, right. Hey, it, look, I, I, I'm, I'm a big proponent of not only just giving constructive criticism, cri constructive criticism, but just giving the right answer. You want to be told the truth. <laughs> yeah, and since I don't know, and since I, since I've explained, I cannot get you a job, and I don't know what I'm looking at. It's fair to talk about anatomy there you go you know uh neil uh, neil's gonna punch me in the face but neil van antwerpen who's doing no other gods in the layouts for uh, the, the the claims adjuster and is a fucking run he runs an entire ad agency in south africa he could work on his hands more uh you know i come on yeah uh laura helsby by the way is a hands expert but you know, uh, Laura's got anatomy things she could work on. Not, not many, but uh, Jeremy could work on it. There's nobody I know that couldn't work on some part of, of anatomy more. We so all it's, fair, it's, a fair, it's a fair criticism. Exactly. We all make fun of Rob Leefield's feet. It's Or it's, lack thereof. Or lack thereof. Yeah. Or the way that he draws a chest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's funny. I was just in a message, uh, a chat with um, uh, James, with uh, Jeremiah and and Jason from Christopher Kubrick, and uh, we were yeah. talking. That they were talking about how much because they're like they're they're Jason's about ten years younger than me, and Jeremiah I think is the same. And they were talking about how much they love Rob Life. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and, 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 no, hey, look, hey man, uh, art hey. is in exactly beauty is in the uh, eye of the beholder. I am. You know, I, I look. I I bought Young Blood. Um, you I know, in nineties. Uh, I I I bought X Force. Um, I'm sure not did. To buy, buy that stuff. Looking back, I think they were better artists. But Rob Liefeld did a ton of shit for this industry. You know, yeah. Um, on he yeah. his his contributions cannot be discounted. Oh, absolutely. I I I, I totally agree with you on that. Uh, so, sir. I yes, I appreciate you doing this with me. This has been oh, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you having me. I really uh, enjoyed talking to you. Absolutely, man. I, I appreciate you doing this with me. And this has been absolutely fantastic. Um I I, I of course want to shout out um, of course, that you that was it no other gods, uh monsters of the midway, claims adjuster, and the longest title I could ever imagine is all coming out this year. <laughs> it is. Yes. Uh, and Monsters and Midways is in previews right now. Uh, order codes JAN231370 for the Mega cover and JAN231371 for the Temple Smith cover. Um, Band of Bards. Uh, you can order it from bandofbards.com. You can order it from previews. You can order it from your LCS. You can find information about it at Defective Comics 
C-O-M-I-X. That's defective, not detective, defectivecomicsix.com. Or you can just find out about it uh, on Twitter at um, at Comics Chuck. Nice, nice. Sir, it's been a pleasure, man. Thank you for doing this with me. Uh, James, I appreciate it, man. I hope I can talk to you again sometime, man. Absolutely. So for James Grandmaster Facts Boys, Chuck Sadley, thank you for doing this again. And we are out. 